You guys know in the past couple weeks we've been going through the it began in the garden series new age teaching working their way into the church and i had this whole sermon planned out for you guys today um and i don't want to give give away the topic yet because guess what i'm not preaching on that today yeah so reason being is is just through prayer being in the word this week Having fellowship with people, I really felt the Lord kind of just steer and guide my heart in another direction. It was, it was confirmed last night um, and having discussion with my wife and then waking up early this morning and just really um, getting that guidance from the Lord and Holy Spirit on a, a topic to, to talk about, which in a way, you know, and I ask that you pray for me to just have the ability to, to package it up. Um, in a way, I guess, kind of fits into the whole New Age thing because, you know, we, we covered in the beginning, the first week, the Word of Faith. Last week, we talked about the Enneagram. We're speaking about all these things, about basically this New Age teaching about finding our inner divine self, right, and wanting to tap into that. And there's some, some teachings going on where it's kind of this deception that maybe we're, in a sense, divine ourselves. And if we kind of come in tune with that inner self, we're able to better serve God and just a bunch of lies and deceptions and stuff like that. But um, the topic today is, is based around, I guess, something uh, that, that kind of fits into that. And it's weird because actually this morning when I came into the church building, um, I just got this, uh, this quickening from the Lord in regards to, uh, it's weird that it's called New Age. Because if you think about it, it's kind of been around since the beginning, right? That's why we call it, it began in the garden. You know, it's not really something new, if you will. It might be dressed differently. It might have a different identity to it to an extent. But at the root of it all, it's pretty much the same thing, right? And the, the topic I want to talk about today is kind of the, the, the same theme, and, and it's more of the sign of, of the times, the spirit of the times, if you will. Um, because I think that this is going to be something that speaks to all of us. And, and once again, I, I stand up here and I, I'm speaking and preaching this to you as your pastor, but I also hope and pray that individuals that listen to this even online, that there's a quickening of their heart as well and a sense and an urgency of repentance that comes from this. Because once again, I stand up here as a sinner saved by God's grace, just like you guys. Okay, like, I stand up here as a person that can easily get motivated and charged based on the things that I watch and see in my everyday life. Uh, my wife and I were, were talking about it this morning as we were talking about like social media and we're talking about the news and all that stuff. Her and I were talking, you know, we're like, you know, you try to govern your kids and you talk to them about the, you know, how you can literally get sucked into things, right? And her and I look at each other and we just start smiling and I go, you know, I find myself even on YouTube if I'm looking at stuff like, you know, nothing inappropriate, of course, but just stuff like, you know, if I see like a sports story or maybe like a, a short snippet of a sermon and they have those things now called YouTube shorts. You guys know about those? You know, your brain literally, like you find yourself just kind of, after a while, like you're kind of just flicking through stuff. You're just flicking and flicking. And all of a sudden you get hit with like the Holy Spirit, like what are you doing? You're wasting your time. And my wife looks at me this morning, she's like, yeah, before you know it, like 20 minutes have gone by. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of crazy how you just kind of get sucked into that. And I'm like, I'm 40 years old, soon to be 41, praise God. So I sit there and I'm like, how hard would it be for even young people? right? Because it's kind of just seen as the norm of the things that you do. 
And Jelaine's like, yeah, I'm 45, praise God, that she does it. And, you know, we try to be mindful in that. We try to, as, as the word says, make use of the time, redeem the time wisely because the days are filled with evil, right? There's just so many things out there that we can get caught up in, in being lost in and, and um, caught up in. But even as a pastor, you know, I could stand up here easily and this is the pulpit, right? Like this is the place where I stand and I take God's word and I teach it to you guys. And in the midst of that, I make sure that I ask you guys to do what? Test and weigh the things that I say. Not to go out there and try to find fault with your pastor, but to try to affirm it that the things that I say are true. And I can abuse this very easily. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. When I stand up here, this is Josh's flesh talking. I've heard a pastor once word it this way where I go, yes, that's the way that sometimes it feels. When I'm up here and you're there, I could easily deceive myself in thinking that there's this shield, right? And I can just hurl everything out at you guys. And you guys will sit there sometimes in your shame and your conviction, looking at me, squirming your butts in the pews, and you can't really throw anything back at me, right? And I can get caught up in that. And some pastors do. Some pastors, like, they use this as kind of a stage and a platform to just let loose. And I'm not going to lie to you. Once again, as a pastor, like, those urgencies come over me. Some of you talk to me on a frequent basis, a personal level outside of church, and you will hear some of the frustrations and things that I'm dealing with or going through. My wife hears it all the time. All the time. So I love having a wife. She is like my sounding board. She's also the one that humbles me and reminds me if I'm being an idiot or I'm just completely thinking out of place, but she is that soundboard. But I stand up here and I try to make sure that my calling and my task is at hand and that I hold firm and hold true to it. And what is that? To preach and teach the Word of God. Period. Preach and teach the Word. I don't have to add anything to it. I'm not supposed to do that. I don't need to stand up here in a pink shirt to get your guys' attention to do it, even though I'm wearing a pink shirt today. Like, there's nothing about me that needs to enhance this. However, I do want you guys to know that when I do preach and teach the Word, that through my love for the Word and my want and desire for you to understand it, that you can tell in my tone, you can tell in the way that I'm speaking it, that this guy loves to do what he's doing. And even more so, he loves to make sure that I am comprehending what it is that he's saying. Amen? With that being said, we have so many things going on in our days today. So many things. And once again, as I speak this message, I know that you know individuals might hear this. And this may even be a message that I'm even maybe indirectly preaching to other pastors out there. Because being a pastor is a very, very difficult thing. I, I've expressed that to you guys. I've said that, that, you know, standing up here and preaching God's word is not necessarily a popular thing to do. I've learned that. Because there's so many antagonistic things in the world today that will conflict maybe with the things that, not that Pastor Josh is saying, but the things that I'm saying that God's word says. And I think you guys would agree that many times I sit up or I stand up here and I, I always kind of put you in the, in the seat of conviction, right? As I do with myself. I always want you guys to have that mirror in front of you before you start looking around at other people, right? 
And I've, I've gotten a lot of communication from a lot of pastors, local pastors lately, that are really on some hard times right now because they have a lot of people in their church going up to them with almost this demand that they kind of preach and teach on certain things going on in the world today. It's this amazing thing. Like you guys could go to YouTube, right? And you can basically search a topic and find a sermon on that topic, right? Well, that mindset, that spirit, if you will, is starting to work its way into the physical local church where people come in and they know that there's certain things going on if it regards politics, if it regards something local, and they almost have this demand that their pastor or someone of the church talks about those topics. Now, I'm up here to sit here and tell you that I believe as a pastor, someone that, that is, is the shepherd, if you will, of, of, of the local body, not the shepherd, but shepherding you guys, that there is a time and a place for a person to mention something about stuff going on. Things that are maybe going on in, in, the, in the mainstream world that maybe is causing a disruption amongst the body. Maybe people have questions about it out there. But here's the deal. My calling never sways. It doesn't go away. What am I called to do, church? Teach and preach the Word of God. What I teach and preach then should influence what you guys do out there and how you guys perceive and look at things out there. Pastor Josh isn't doing it. It's the Word of God being spoken to you guys, being taught to you guys. And I, once again, I'm going to package this up because the two words that were laid on my heart real heavily this morning was sovereignty and providence. And these are the two main factors of our faith as Christians. And we talked in the first week about the word of faith. And one of the things that I broke it down to you guys is that faith is not a power and it's not a force. That's not what biblical faith is. Faith is a trust and a confidence in God Almighty. That means regardless of whatever's going on, whatever you see, whatever's happening, you trust, trust and believe in the sovereignty and the providence of God. Well, what do those two things really mean? In a nutshell, God's sovereignty means that you as a Christian believe that his word says that everything that comes to be and everything that happens only happens because God willed it to happen. We've covered this in the book of Job. We did all of that, right? Like, this is just the foundation of us as Christians, how we should believe. Either he's imposed it to take place or he's disposed it to take place. We trust and believe in his sovereignty, okay? And that's a hard thing sometimes for us to do. If anything, it's a revelation of our imperfect faith. I talked to you guys about the faith the size of a mustard seed. It's a, a misused parable very often in the church. It is not about the fact that if you have this small seed of faith, Curtis, that you could move a mountain. It's not what that means. If anything, it's a representation of, guess what, Sherry, your faith is not perfect yet. And you guys can say amen or ouch to that. We don't have a complete and perfect faith in Jesus Christ. If we did, half of you in here wouldn't be heavy and heartbroken right now. Half of you in here wouldn't pray. Half of you wouldn't even be here because you don't need this place because guess what? My faith in Christ is perfect. No one in here has a perfect faith. So that faith the size of a mustard seed and asking that mountain to move and that mountain moves is basically you saying and representing the fact that that mountain will only move based on the power of God. That's it. Not the power of my faith, not the force of my faith. So I trust and believe in his sovereignty. 
But what does providence mean? That's another very beautiful word that us as Christians need to understand and hinge to every day of our life. Sovereignty means that we believe that God can do whatever he wants whenever he wants to do it, period. Job complained, right? What did God say? Who is it that darkens my counsel? Were you there when I created the world? Like, he's creator. We can't, he's the guy that can do whatever he wants. He's the God that does whatever he wants. But providence means that there's a reason and a purpose behind why he does what he does whenever he wants to do it. And that, for us, is a challenge. That, if anything, will really take us to understand, you know what? I do have faith the size of a mustard seed on many days. Because, okay, pastor, you're telling me that he can do whatever he wants to do, but now you're telling me that he has a reason and a purpose behind why he's doing what he's doing. And that right there is something that we can easily wrestle with. Much more than the former. And I know that this is a word that many people in here today need to hear and understand. God's sovereignty, he does whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. And his providence, he has a reason and a purpose behind why he's doing it. Are we as Christians, are we as his children with finite minds called to understand the reasons? No, but what are we called to do? What is that called? Trust. That is the faith that we're called to have in Christ Jesus. That is the faith that we're called to have in our Father in heaven. He is a holy God. Jesus teaches us how to pray, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Saying hallowed be thy name is not a declaration. If anything, it's also a plead and a want for God to make his name holy in our hearts. When I open up service and I pray that you guys have a newfound reverence of his holiness, that means that I want you to see God not as a friend or a a buddy or a moral figure. I want you guys to see God as holy. God and me. Creator, creation. All sovereign, all knowing, all present, and me. So as we were going through this new age teaching, once again, I wanted to make sure that you guys saw the separation and the difference in that. But what does this all have to do with what I'm talking about today? We are in times today, if it be in our personal lives, if it be in what we would perceive or the world would say the political realm, whatever. And I like to bring up politics because here's what, I'd, here's what I hear people say a lot, okay? I'll just throw it out there. The, the case right now with abortion, right? A lot of things that get charged or people that get charged with that is this. I get so irritated because it's not a political thing. And I go, amen. It's not. But I go as a Christian, is anything really political when you trust in the sovereignty and the providence of God? Is anything really political but what, what is really the root of these things going on? It's sin, right? It, it's just sin. Bless you. So, so I want you guys to go to John. I want you guys to look at chapter 17. And we're going to start off here at verse 11. And, and to give you guys a little bit of context here, what's going on here, this is... Just, this is around the time just after where Jesus has, has been meeting up in the upper room here with the other disciples. 
even in these previous chapters, you're reading about Jesus talking about the world's going to hate you. He's even speaking about the helper, the advocate, and the Holy Spirit that's going to be sent. Because guess what? There are going to be people that kill you, and they're thinking that they're doing a service to God. How heavy, right? Like Jesus is letting these disciples know people will kill you, and they think they're doing it in the name of God. This is why we need to understand our faith, and this is why we need to understand even the purpose of having the Holy Spirit in us as the advocate, as the helper, especially going through the times that we're in. Because one of the misconceptions that I think that people fall in line to, especially in the, 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 the signs of the times or the spirit of the times is this, especially in the church, is this, once again, it's about me mindset. It's about my comforts and it's about what I want. And maybe this is a sermon for your pastor to stand up here a little charged to go, okay, like Pastor Josh is going to spew a little bit. I felt called to do so today because I think that it might be something that's worth hearing for many of you in here and it may bring about a sense of conviction as well because a lot of us in here are maybe even unhinged from a sense of peace that we're called to have with Christ because we're too caught up in things of the world where we should be more focused on Jesus Christ. So John chapter 17, verse 11. This is referred to as kind of the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus' intercessory prayer for his disciples. Him praying to God the Father and, and letting, just standing in the gap for them. He says here in verse 11, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me, that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word. The world has what? Hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. What a word. This sets for us as Christians. This, this isn't a, a, a text that is in context for me to go, listen, that was just him talking to his disciples. Like As we read and found out in previous chapters, these disciples were going to go through some stuff because of the persecution of Romans. The world was going to hate them. They were going to be killed, and they were still even going to be persecuted by other Jewish people who thought that they were doing this as a service to God. But Jesus promises us, even throughout the rest of Scripture, that guess what? The world is going to hate you for 
the name that you bear. So we are now finding ourselves, as we have found ourselves for thousands of years, it's not really anything new. Once again, it's something that's the same old theme. Being in a world that just doesn't seem to agree with what we know this word to say. And so often, the Christian can become unhinged and charged by this truth. We want to see the landscape shift and change. We do. We're called to do that. But we are not called to unhinge from this peace and this love that Christ has called for us to show and to be in this world, the salt and the light. And I'm going to unpackage this a little bit more. I want you guys to understand, though, too, that back in, if you read through the Gospel of Luke, there's this thing going on by the, the religious leaders called salvation through segregation. It was a doctrine that they made up. How many of you can think what that possibly means just by hearing the, the words? Salvation through segregation. Remember the Jewish leaders, Gentiles, unclean, stay away. Tax collectors, stay away. They just had this mindset of just to stay away. We see other religions today that still, in a sense, practice this. I heard a pastor give a story about a priest that he was walking with, and a kid went up to the priest and was trying to kind of pull on his arm, and the priest just kind of swung his arm away and looked at the kid and said, how dare you pull the arm of a priest? And the pastor just looked at him and said, how dare you think your arm is any different than anyone else's arm? It's this salvation through segregation. Now, as I kind of voice to a, a co-worker of mine that remains anonymous here in the church, <laughs> that my wife sends me this video of um, this new ad campaign that's going on for Jesus Christ. $100 million is being spent on this He Gets Us campaign, where it's basically Jesus letting his hair down to the millennials and the Generation Z culture. And I looked at my wife, and I'm like, how sad that we're portraying Christ as like just this moral figure. He's just a moral figure, right? He, he's the guy that's to show you guys how you're supposed to love people, right? And I say that with that affliction and tone for a purpose. Churches have kind of strayed to this as well. Jesus is more of a moral example of how we are supposed to be to people. And once again, a little bit of truth to that, right? Like the, the, the popular catchphrase with a lot of churches is, you know, come to Agape Center, come as you are. But I told my wife that why do we fail at finishing the rest of the phrase, but be prepared to change? We, we fail at that. We fail at when we're, when we're speaking the gospel or we're speaking testimonies that, that we have to speak about sin and repentance. Because if you don't speak about sin and repentance, you're completely missing the aspect of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and why he came and died on the cross for you in the first place. You're missing it. So you see these $100 million ads where now it's more like salvation through integration. Right? Like just accept everything and you can too be saved. Right? But the challenge here in this, when it comes to us as the church, is... We can put ourselves on these soapboxes and these pedestals that have been set up for us by the world. If it be a political realm, and I, I like to use politics because, guys, that is the most charged topic going on right now. And I'm going to be honest with you, as a pastor, it makes me very upset. And I'm going to tell you why it makes me upset. 
I don't believe the pulpit is a place for me to stand up here and to give political rhetoric to you guys. I do believe that I could utilize the pulpit to give some guidance on some stuff, to even maybe invite you to talk to me about something maybe that you're struggling with. But I think what we've seen is, is once politics works their way up here, it causes a dissension and a disassociation, not just amongst a body of believers, but also amongst denominations, so the subsections of the bodies of believers. And when you speak against that, you too are then lumped into the group of people in which those people that are about their politics can't stand. And I've been, I don't want to say a victim of that, but I've experienced that before. I have brothers and sisters that devote their lives to the preaching and teaching of God's Word that are experiencing that right now. You don't talk enough about these things. You don't say enough about these things. They're not called to do that. What they teach and preach to you guys every Sunday should be a guidance for you on what you should be doing when it comes to the polls. And here's another thing, and I've said this to you guys before in the past, and it always gets some people charged, and my wife's like, maybe you should pray before you say it. And I'm like, I already did pray before I say it. I'm still going to say it because I know you guys trust in what I'm saying. You guys cannot develop enough political prowess to save the world. You can't find enough politicians to lobby with the church to save this world or this country. You can't. It's already been tried, and it's failed miserably. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. If you don't like what I said, you can see me afterwards. You will not develop enough political prowess and lobby enough to get whatever it is you want to see done in this nation to take place or happen. But there is a way, there is a way for you to see some stuff change. And this is where we're tested as Christians. And ironically, I think it's where we fail miserably as Christians today in the church. I'm going to have you guys turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. As I said earlier, when it comes to you know, it's hard for us as a church to not conform. Was it Romans 12, right? Don't conform to the patterns of this world. We see conformity across the board in, in the world all day, right? When you're a little kid, right, there's conforming that goes on. But we were at Mavericks' last football game this Friday, and, you know, it's so crazy because you literally see the stages and the themes of life, right? So Des is sitting in front of us with her friend, and they're talking about stuff, and they're even dressed kind of the same and all that stuff. And I remember those times with even the older kids. Like, they were, you were their example of truth, right, and reality as a kid. You guys, like, live. Like, she, you guys are it right now, right now. Like, it's like dad, mom. What they say goes, and this is truth, right? They'll like the same teams you like. They'll dress the way you like. Mav used to do it. Mariah used to, like, it was just what was. And Des is doing it. But there's this weird imagery that took place because five feet in front of us, there's the middle school kids. And middle school kids are buttheads. 
apologize to you guys for saying that, but they are. Like, there's something weird about the middle school age, right? Like, they're still a kid, but now what's going on is they're not with mom and dad so much. Now it's what their peers are doing that really are enticing, and I'm watching it. And I know, like, half these kids that are in front of me. I remember them when they were babies, and they're swearing, they're saying all this stuff. My wife and I are looking like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that boy's talking like that. Like, I remember when he was in, and they're all saying the same stuff. They're playing the fool for each other, right? Running around and wrestling and all that stuff. It's conforming, right? It, it really is. Like, you, you do these things because you want to be accepted. You just want your peers to like you. But I'm not going to let us off the hook as easily. Because I could easily sit there and go, oh, yeah, that just happens when you're a kid, right? No, 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 no. Because I could easily look up in the stands, too, and see the adults and how they talk and interact. I could hear the conversations. I heard the names Biden, Trump, all that going back and forth. I heard stuff about teams, sports teams. and We have this thing about us in our spirits to just gravitate in our flesh to that which makes us comfortable. And we build up these kingdoms to kind of feed into it. So I see the, the little ones. Mom and dad are it, right? Dang. And then you go forward, and then it's middle school, and then they got pimples and dirt stashes and all this weird stuff, and their heads are real small and these big bodies, or they got really big heads and small bodies, and they're cussing and all that stuff. But as they grow up, it kind of, once again, sets the precedent for this, like how they're going to be even when they become adults and when they grow up. And I think about that even in the church. Like when Paul says to us, don't conform to the patterns of the world. And, and for the longest time, the church used to think conforming was, was like, you know, if everyone in the world is wearing a white shirt like Dawn, you need to wear a blue shirt. Like it was all this outward stuff, right? Or, or if, if, if the world is, is doing these things over here, you need to stay away from them. Almost once again, that salvation by segregation. So you need to make sure that you're acting and doing this stuff over here. Well, that's not what Paul meant by don't conform to the patterns of the world. I remember a, a pastor giving an example of this too. He said, if, if you don't want to conform to the patterns of this world, to the ways of the world, to the, the spirit of the times as a Christian... Maybe do the right thing if it even costs you your job. Or maybe say something where your word is held at a high regard and you keep that word. Maybe you unhinge from a comfort for the sake of another person to give God glory. See, by doing that, you're not conforming to the patterns of this world because guess what? The spirit of the times is this, is that my comfort is what's valuable. The things that I want to do are what matters, just like they were back when I was a kid, when I was a boy. But we can easily convince ourselves that me as a man, when I've grown up, I've put away those childish things, when in actuality, no, there's an old saying that says, uh, what's the difference between men and boys? It's the price of their toys. Right? It really is, if you want to be honest about it. It's, it's true. And I, I stand up here as a person that can be guilty of that. Like, I, I, can, I can make every excuse for those things. So in, in that being the thing, and that being the, the theme in which I want you guys to stop and think about, we can pick certain things in this world to pick apart, to go, this is what separates me from the world. Maybe it's a political viewpoint. Maybe it's, maybe it's that. And that seems to be the theme right now. 
it's, it's the very thing in which that I stand. And you know what? I love it because it, it puts something in me that appeases actually to the flesh side of me to where I develop an emotion and an attitude that actually pulls me away from what I'm called to do as a Christian in the spirit of things. And what is that, Pastor Josh? What is that thing that I'm called to do? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Starting out at verse 1, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made. We've covered this before, church. For how many people? For kings and who else? Guys, even when I say authority, I'm not even talking about politicians. Chris knows in here, I'm going to be honest with you, there's times where I, I, my former boss struggled with my boss. The last thing I wanted to do some days was pray for my boss. Flesh and the spirit, right? Bang, 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 battling. Many of you in here know what it's like to struggle with a person of authority in your life. A parent, a boss, a governor, a president. Yeah, we're going there. But I'm going to use this. No, I got it. No, that's your flesh working. Because guess what? You may think that you're doing something different than the world when guess what? You're waging war just like the world does. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We don't wage war the way that the world does as Christians. We don't bicker. We don't complain. We don't cause dissension. We don't put up nasty Facebook posts. We don't do things that the world's doing out there. And as Dawson said last week, which I love, we don't take something political and baptize it and call it Christian. We don't. And we've learned in this country, and I'm sticking to that, that that's not the case. But what is the thing that can, what, what, what is the thing that can change? When was the last time you prayed for the salvation of someone in authority that bothers you to no end? Honestly, what was the last time someone, not even in authority, guys, we're going to remove, we're going to backtrack, all people, people that you know that don't know Jesus Christ, that bug out all the time and drive you to no end. How quick we forget that we're called to love because we were loved first, right? What was the last time you prayed for salvation for that person? When was the last time you, you penned a letter to a political figure that bothers you to no end to speak to them about repentance of sin and salvation through Jesus Christ? Match that up to the amount of times maybe that you've bickered, complained, murmured, backtalked, chit-chatted, gossiped, and all. And now we're getting uncomfortable, right? Think about that. And I don't stand up here as a person that hasn't been guilty of it. I don't. I stand up here as a person that recognizes that that's not me giving glory to God in everything that I do. And this, once again, does not just stem to political figures or none of that, but if you want change to take place on a grand scale, civil magistrates, guys, those change based on whoever's in office. We see that. They're as fluid as the water that comes through our faucets. Our mandates stay the same. Our orders stay the same as Christians. They don't ever budge. I was telling Chris today at work that our fight with this world is just our simply standing firm in our faith in God. 
And you don't need to stand up and be a jerk. You don't need to stand up and throw. You don't need to do any of that. Just guess what? Don't move. Don't move. Don't budge. And I think people struggle with that because the world is going to antagonize you to move, to react, to do something that the world does. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. I'm going to continue on here in 1 Timothy 2. For kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Guess what this is, church? This is good. And it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, once again, as I stood up here and told you, I am not a prophet. I am not a priest. I only trust and believe that there's one intercessor between me and God. And what is his name? Who is, it? Who is he? Jesus Christ. So if you guys think that you need to listen to this from someone else that says that they hear, no, listen to this. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for some people, all people. Guess what that means? It doesn't mean that everyone's saved. It means that someone that you may perceive as a jerk, an unholy ruler, someone that just drives you nuts to no end, guess what? Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross was so great, big, and powerful that even they can be saved if they put their faith in him. Is that a shock? Because guess what? Remember the wretch that you were? If he can save you or I, guess what? I think he could save those people that drive me nuts. Right? Like I want you guys to position yourselves there. This, is now, this, is, this has now been witnessed at the proper time, and for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true faithful teacher to the Gentiles, the individuals that really the Jewish people struggled with. I want you guys to position and to put yourselves in a place where you see and understand that if I want change to take place on a grand scale, for those, and I believe in Christians being in places of politics, and I do, I, I think that that stuff is great. But if you want change to take place, here's a start for us as a church. There is something very powerful that we can do. That is pray for the salvation of those who are in authority. If you want someone who you think is a jerk, all that stuff, and you know that they don't know God, here's something that you can do. Pray for their salvation. Be an example of Christ to them. Because I think, once again, as I said earlier, that when we stop and think, man, I'm set apart, I'm doing something different, because you're really no different than the way that the world is. First Timothy, in context, guys, is a book that represents and exemplifies the fact that your faith and how you live, they go together. That a person can't claim Christ Jesus, but live the way that the world lives. This is Paul's instructions to Timothy, a person that's being appointed an elder to a church. You're a child of God. You're called to look different than the way that the world looks. Period. And if you don't, you have to start questioning your spiritual health. If you don't, you need to cry out to God. Repent and ask for forgiveness. Have him show you your heart. 
We are the light and the salt of the earth. We are. If any change is to take place that looks like Jesus Christ, it begins with us. It really does. We can't rely, once again, on, on things that are worldly to fulfill those voids that are holy. We have to pray for people, church. So my petition to you guys this week is that you guys pray for this country. Pray for people in authority. Pray. I even ask you guys, maybe if you have the time, to write a letter, send a letter, if it be to a politician or someone or even a family member, whatever, I don't know. And asking that they come to know Jesus Christ, asking that they repent of their sin even. We fail to do this as Christians, but yet we expect this change to take place in those people's lives around us. But I always ask you guys, first and foremost, to position your heart in a place of grace and mercy. Remove the plank from your eye before you start going out there and telling other people to remove the sawdust from theirs. Remember that God loved you first so then you can go and love others to show him to those people around you. Amen? So what I want to do in closing here, like I said, I am going to put a song on and I want to give you guys some time to be with the Lord. I want to give you guys time to repent and ask for forgiveness. And like I said, these are, this is the spirit of the time where even the church has started to struggle with trusting in the providence and the sovereignty of God. Everything, guys, that's taking place in this world right now, remember, sovereignty and providence. It's taking place because God's allowing it to take place. And even more so, guess what? It's taking place because God has a reason and a purpose for it to take place. On a macro scale and for each and every one of your lives, on a micro scale. You're not called to understand it. You're simply called to trust in Him and trust in His truth, trust in His ways. And you're going to struggle at that. And guess who you cry out to for the strength to do it? You cry out to Him. See how this just keeps coming back to God? How this keeps coming back to Christ? You're going to need Him for strength. To have strength in what He's doing in your life. So in all actuality, we have no reason to not be crying out to God in our lives right now. Don't resort to the flesh. Stay in the Spirit. Amen? During that time, while we have the music on, I am going to walk around. I am going to pray for you guys. I'm going to pray for you guys to be filled with the Spirit. I want you guys. I told my wife this yesterday. When you guys repent, and when you understand and see the ways of the flesh that have been maybe governing your lives, and you break away from that, you are no longer quenching or stifling the Spirit within you. You're actually, in a sense, giving him room to do the things that he needs to do through you and by him. 
The Bible says that. Like, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We just covered it a couple weeks ago. You can actually grieve Him by doing things and operating in things that are in accordance to the flesh. We want to break away from that. And we're called to break away from that every day. We're called to recognize that we can succumb to it and break away from it and ask the Holy Spirit just to simply fill us for the day. And then guess what? Go back and do it all over again the next day. And it just becomes this discipline. And you start walking in peace. And Sherry, I remember you saying to my wife, and I love bringing this back up again, life is just better when you're actually just operating in the fruits of the Spirit as opposed to when you're walking in accordance with the flesh. If you've ever had a quarrel or a fight with someone where names are being thrown around, chairs are being thrown around and all that, and that was better than peace, come see me afterwards because I'd love to hear the details. It's just crazy how deceitful the enemy is to make us think that, that our ways are better, right? My spouting off and doing this and letting people know how I feel, but that's better than actually just relying on God and relying on His Holy Spirit to dictate and do the things that I'm called to do as a Christian. It's a lie. So I'm going to get some music going here. I'm going to have you guys spend some time. And once again, I'm going to walk around and just be in prayer. And I just want you guys to think about the message. I want you guys to I don't know, just position and get your, your hearts and minds ready.